from around the globe get a whole month free at mubi.com/audiogan well uh, we have three films on mubi made by our today's guest right here right now the continuum and one exclusively on mubi which is the insignificant man yes we are celebrating this episode which is the fourth anniversary with anand gandhi i'm super thrilled and excited and at the same time a bit nervous to have anand on the show I'm just going to introduce him uh, for the record, uh, in case this audio is found maybe 100, 200 years out in the future. Uh, and actually, it's also a challenge to introduce great minds like him. I would simply call him a philosopher, filmmaker, explorer, game designer, and uh, I refer to him as one of the most important thinkers of our time. So, thanks, Anand, for giving your time. It's a real honor to have you on audio again. Thank you, Kedar, to to have me, and thank you for your very kind words. Yeah. So frankly, I'm like I'm my expertise or the domain knowledge, uh, any area you pick is not as developed enough to ask any questions. But I have genuine two questions. Um, one is broadly about uh, when I first saw you live uh, in one of the talks. Uh, you mentioned about a Zen proverb. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that. What's has your definition changed over time about that? Because it has completely changed my perspective to life. And the second one is uh, the cognitive gym. uh which you have been talking about in the recent videos that i saw uh if you can start by telling me what's what's the cognitive gym how essential is it i think uh it's really the the most uh exciting project i have been working on for the last few years to to really find this tool or a, or rather a toolbox of a uh, uh, a set of techniques and hacks and tricks and uh, exercises that make the process of expanding your consciousness that make the process of enlightening yourself the process of um really grasping the the nature of reality the, the relationship that the individual human has with their environment uh accessible to all and the cognitive gym is really one such uh, is is really the paradigm for this entire toolbox now uh, i've given a lot of examples elsewhere i'm going to repeat some of these examples assuming that people who are who are coming to this conversation today have not necessarily seen these examples that i've given elsewhere so let me let me jump right into giving some stories into giving a couple of anecdotes from from the environment from nature so let's let's talk about um let's let's look at an experiment conducted a, a couple of decades ago uh, by by a behavioral scientist called tinbergen now within an hour of emerging from its shell a herring gull chick starts looking for its mother's beak which is usually a large yellow colored beak with uh, a big red dot on it the chick starts pecking at it demanding to be fed now in this very famous experiment the nobel prize winning ethologist uh, tin bergen presented a seagull chick with a 
disembodied beak of an adult herring gull. The chick still pecked the beak, expecting to be fed by the beak, notwithstanding the fact that there was no bird attached to it. So Tinbergen inquired into this further. He isolated a recipe of sorts, a, a visual recipe with the visual ingredients and created a, a synthetic beak, so to say, a rectangular elongation, tapering thinness, high visual contrast between the dot and the base color of the beak, the red dot that was replaceable with dot of other, dots of other colors, he realized later, uh, as long as the contrast was maintained. Now, with slight exaggerations of this visual recipe, he made a fake beak and offered this fake object to the herring gull children. And they pecked at it even more excitedly. Not only did they peck at it, remember they pecked at it with greater excitement than they were pecking at their mother's beaks. When the contrast was uh, exaggerated. When the, yes, when the contrast was exa exaggerated, when the when the size of the dot was bigger, when the when the base of the beak was broader and the end was more tapering, uh, any any of these uh, ingredients when they were amplified against one another, and hence the contrasts of these ingredients were amplified. Not only did the chicks continue pecking at these objects, they pecked at these objects with even further greater excitement. And every time he would he would amplify it, the chicks would get more and more excited. They would they would be hyper excited in their in their pecking. Each each passing generation of amplification, they would uh, you know they they would peck at it with unprecedented wild enthusiasm. Uh, did yeah. did the experiment involve also just aesthetically improving or functionally improving also? There was no function. The beaks had no function whatsoever. These objects did not feed the children. They, the object did not carry any kind of a robotic mechanism to feed the, the feed the chicks. There was absolutely zero or negative function. In fact, these were just synthetic toys, if anything. And as it turns out, the toy beak was far more exciting for the chick than than its own mother, who would otherwise actually feed the chick at the end of it. So let's take another example that I give very often, which is male barn swallows. Uh, the, uh, the barn swallow is is a bird uh, a little bigger than a sparrow, and they have light reddish brown chests they have slightly maroon chests and the females of the species prefer ones with greater color intensity in barn swallows this is an indication of genetic fitness now in a study scientists darkened the chests of previously rejected males with a felt tip marker males who were rejected by females in their in their region because their 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 feathers were were pale were darkened with a with a felt tip marker by these scientists and this simple cosmetic hack made them instant hits with with the females, they were suddenly they were suddenly producing more more progeny. They were suddenly attracting more females than ever before. Let's study another example. Jul another example that I I share very often, which is Juldimorpha beetles, bejeweled beetles, uh, which have been observed attempting to copulate with beer bottles, mistaking the the beer bottles called the stubbies in their uh, thrown in their environment by humans mistaking them for the most attractive female beetles ever. They find these bottles because of the these uh, tubercles on these bottles, they find these bottles more attractive than, than the most attractive females around them. Now, what is really going on in these examples? What is exa exactly going on in, in the herring gull or the barn swallows or the beetles, right? Let's, let's think about what's going on. Data and algorithms to process data are resource intensive. You look at any computing system in the world, right? There are, what, are, what are the two most resource expensive objects in a computer? Data, right, and software. And, soft, and, the, 
and the processing power that the software takes right they are resource intensive even in biology correct so life has evolved to optimize the little storage space and processing energy with highest fitness results so stimuli needed to recognize and engage in life sustaining actions of eating or feeding or finding mating partners of 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 attracting mating partners of you know of conducting all kinds of actions that will sustain life have evolved to have a unique to species fingerprinting system because if you had to process all data around you all the time you would never have that much energy so instead of processing all the data all the time you process fingerprint data you look out for fingerprints like in the herring gull the fingerprint in that case is the dot on the beak or the or the specific kind of shape that the beak takes right so the it's enough for the herring gull chick to recognize the moving dot it doesn't need to store information about an entire bird correct and that's how even we try to practice unit economics that's how, or is is it different that's how we practice everything in our life now think about think about barn swallows with uh, with a felt tip marker and think about makeup why is it that makeup works the fact that makeup works should tell us something about how we respond to stimuli the fact that the male of the males of our species can produce can produce six packs on their on their uh, abs or females can can uh, make the lips look much uh, much brighter yeah looks lips look more saturated more uh, more red or or cheeks look redder uh, with blush uh, and that would have an actual impact and response towards the um, towards the gender that they are trying to attract that they are trying to um, and not only that uh, in in humans it becomes more complex in humans fertility and signs of fertility are also used for creating kinships and peer relationships so uh, women may not care about attracting male partners but may care about participating in a in a in a in a in a discourse of kinship in a in a in an um, in a sense of be- may create a, may want to create a sense of belonging or or peerhood with other females and could use makeup towards that uh, purpose but the the fact that we use stimuli and we can we can apply stimuli to to our bodies to produce effects that are not very dissimilar from the way the felt tip marker on the chest of the males uh, male barn swallow uh, produces experiential behavioral responses in 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 the female of the species or the way the juldimorpha beetle gets attracted to the bottle or the way uh the heringal chicks get hacked by toys by synthetic toys uh it's not it's not different at all from the way humans respond to stimuli to synthetic stimuli around around them and that really is is the fundamental premise uh behind our relationship with all our modern environments from uh not just the most obvious ones not just makeup and 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 pornography and cinema uh and not just toys and merchandise but also subtler behavioral uh, stimuli uh like kinship signaling in politics in politics politicians try to give you a sense of belonging and and create uh an evil other for you to hate politicians create a sense of um, not good politicians but uh politicians who want to rule by dividing people create give you an easy kin to identify with and give you an easy other to hate uh now these are behavioral stimuli that have evolved in forest and savanna environments for very specific purposes and have have now can now be used to hack into into our behaviors in a way that is very similar to the way we can hack into the behavior of a female barn swallow by sketching by putting a a felt tip marker on the chest of a male barn swallow 
why is what is really going on here let's kind of dial back a little bit now that i've given you a couple of examples about this Correct. actually a one quick question sure. uh, what you are talking is all at a level or at a plane of instinct right i don't know but instinct seems to be very primordial in our nature so we are talking about only that or there's some evolved sense when we introduce imagination and these sort of concepts there is there is you can retrain your instinct you can retrain your and that is really what the process of civility and the process of enlightenment is to yeah. constantly retrain our instincts but mm-hmm. um, before we we try to solve a problem we ought to understand the problem and that is really what we need to do so before we form that cognitive gym we need to understand why do we need to enter that cognitive gym in the first place so this is the premise for understanding that superb okay continue please yeah so humans evolved in an environment in, and resource economy that is very different from the modern life of most individuals and groups today we we evolved in uh, in forest and savanna environments so challenges involved in hunting and gathering led to the evolution of calorie consumption incentivization calorie conservation and accumulation strategies which basically means that because food was extremely hard to find in forest and savanna environments hunting was difficult gathering was insufficient always our bodies evolved to reward any kind of calorie consumption and also reward any kind of calorie conservation and that's why our bodies store all the calories that try to store as much as many calories as as it consumes and our body also rewards us for eating more because we evolved in environments where the food that we gathered was very rare and hunting was even a rarer opportunity the scarcity of mating partners led to evolution of partner retention strategies signaled by warning signals like jealousy and aggression right in mm. in extremely when in the birthplace of humanity 250000 years ago the total population on the planet the total human homo sapien population on the planet was in a couple of thousands so there because mating partners were always scarce life evolved to have behaviors like jealousy and aggression jealousy is is the behavior that signals potential loss of partner and through that potential loss of partner signaling we produce partner retention strategies we find all kinds of methods and ways to stop our partners from being lost to us but in an environment of partner and resource abundance which is the environment that we are living in today these may just be a set of vestigial responses so the software that evolved in the scarcity of stone age is now being applied in the affluence of network age that's the biggest problem in front of us as a species first let's understand the problem very clearly that we we come from a place of profound scarcity and we live in a place of profound abundance we come from a place where there were 5000 human beings and mating partners were scarce 250000 years ago today there are 7 billion of us do not necessarily face a scarcity of mating partners and having more children is not the the most important challenge in front of our species right so the challenge in front the real challenge in front of our species is how to how to ensure that opportunities to to a dignified life and and longevity and well-being are available to all humans these complex problems are far more important and and urgent than the problems that we evolved to solve as a species which is how to get food and how to get a mating partner so while scientific social and technological evolutions have led to augmented environments of abundance certainty comfort and longevity for a large number of human beings the gap between the body's biological expectation of the environment and the actual environment has never been wider our body expects real scarcity in our environment but our actual environment for most of us at least 
provides certainty comfort and longevity because of technology because of politics because of living in most most human beings are alive today in in a in in nation states that have some some kind of a constitution and law enforcement so their fundamental rights are not going to be stolen from them very easily and hence there is greater certainty of life there is greater access that most human beings have today to food than ever before and greater access that most human beings have towards finding mating partners than ever before so we our body expects scarcity at every level and our body is confronted with abundance at multiple levels so from junk food to pornography from fake plastic trees to art and design from resource and mating partner certainty to the lack of injury proneness from dark concrete walls to fully lit nights from sports to politics our environment is laced with supernormal stimuli the equivalent of the beer bottle stubs for the beatles or uh, the equivalent of felt tip markers for herring gulls the equivalent of the beak toys for uh, sorry the uh, equivalent of felt tip markers for barn swallows and the equivalent of beak toys for beak the toys herring gull for the herring gull we see these supernormal stimuli in every part of our environment in junk food in 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 plastic decoration in uh, in mating partners uh, certainty in uh, we we don't we don't have injury proneness as much as we would we would face it in 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 our natural environments uh, we we have dark concrete walls and our nights are fully lit so our experience of light is extremely different from what what our bodies are designed to 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 respond to from sports to politics so we have built an augmented world of certainty for for most human beings which is a good thing so let's not start th- not for a moment am i prescribing that we need to go back to nature but let's understand that we have built a completely different world upon the natural environment that we live within but our bodies are are designed to respond to a natural environment so how do we close this gap is really the question now because what happens in this reversal is that once sustaining and protective evolutionary strategies become excessive because they are not being used and they become the core causes of many emotional disruptive behaviors and diseases of today so while anxiety is extremely useful for for an ape resting on on a tree looking at tall yellow grass below uh, and and witnessing black dots in the yellow grass and experiencing anxiety because these black dots don't seem to make sense and the anxiety causes the ape to figure out what these dots are and soon that 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 intense curiosity and fear of these unknown black dots makes the ape come up with an answer that the black dots seem to be a leopard and that anxiety saves the ape's life but mm. the same black dots on somebody's shirt seen on an instagram uh, profile would also create unknowingly responses in us and today we are living in oceans of such triggers some of them are good some of them are some of them call trigger our smoke alarms what we don't know is what triggers our smoke alarms in what contexts now we are getting closer to the to the idea of the cognitive gym right hmm i'm get i'm following so far and uh, if i understand there has been some point in the history of uh, mankind to bring this certainty because they want this now it you're saying that it it is just like in abundance today 
increasingly increasingly for more and more people the what is the see the function the function of civilization is to is to really shorten the gap between the haves and have nots to really ensure that that most human beings ideally all human beings have access to food shelter certainty longevity well being and dignity of life right that is really the purpose of all civilization that's the purpose of life in general for humans to 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 strive towards creating a society that is just uh, and certain for all so in that yes we have come a long way uh, even within the last century itself we have we have made a lot of progress in in terms of the number of people who who now have access to food in just terms of human percentage percentage of the species that has greater access to food greater access to education greater access to to inventing methods of of well being for themselves and their their kin uh, we have come a long way you know Mm, Sla- mm. slavery has been abolished in most parts of the world women have voting rights we we in every in our political technology in our social technology in our social contracts in our in 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 what is right what is wrong in our ethical contracts we have come a long way and there is still a long way to go ahead everything that we are talking about is towards towards that aspiration so addiction to junk food and the emotional responses to art are proofs that stimuli isolation and regrouping into new recipes of dense supernormal stimuli can hack into our fixed action patterns by affecting changes in our hormones and neurotransmitters i just gave you an example of that mm-hmm. that black dots in a certain environment may mean something uh, to you and hence trigger your hormones and neurotransmitters to to produce a certain kind of behavior which which would have saved your life but the same smoke alarm if it goes off on a normal day when there is actually no, nothing to fear may get debilitating and that is the reason why we are seeing a rise in anxiety cases in case in depression cases in our environment today because we are really exposed to an oceans and oceans of stimuli which are uh, which are just brute force exposed to us we are we are exposed to endless stimuli on a on a moment to moment basis uh, most of it our brain recontextualizes and does not get triggered by but some of it gets some of it gets uh, some of it gets interpreted uh, without a contextual filter and those may trigger our smoke alarms that have evolved and when i say smoke alarm a smoke alarm is basically uh, any kind of pain uh, or a trigger response or a fixed action pattern response that that we have uh, we have evolved as a species to protect ourselves from danger so pain is our way of protecting our, our tissue from tissue damage right correct it's a it's a warning signal is a smoke alarm that our body produces to to save ourselves from from any kind of Uh, from 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 an injury to get any deeper or from r- losing a limb or from losing an opportunity to live emotional pain just like pain is is also is also a smoke alarm which slows us down which mm-hmm. allows us to take stock which allows us to kind of understand our place in the world around us and and to reconfigure our place in the world around us um a loss of a mating partner that causes profound emotional you know pain uh, in most of us is is our is our body's way of of allowing us to take stock and and reconfigure our our strategy of living our life ahead lives ahead so smoke alarms are are our body's way of slowing us down uh, so that we can heal and and kick back with resilience but but what is the need now because if there's certainty you're saying at a micro level still people are uh, facing those at a day to day level no no uh, i'm saying that there is no need now in a lot of us 
that it's it's okay. an it's a vestige it's a residue of of a software that evolved in for for its and savanna environments it's a residue of a software mm. that evolved in stone age but is continued to be used by our bodies in the abundance of space age so a lot yeah. of us who were privileged enough to have sufficient life resources and sufficient access to 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 living life fully still continue to have these smoke alarms and that is really the cause of uh, i mean that is really what we call anxiety and, and depression today so now the question is uh, we fix our additional consumption by going to the gym we uh, the calories that our bodies store and gather and accumulate for hunting days that are never going to arrive that are never going to arise we use these calories up by going to the gym or 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 maybe just consume less carbs that's that's the second solution right so there are two yeah. solutions one is that you 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 consume less sugar yeah. so you you do not you do not give your body anything to accumulate too much yeah or if you have consumed calories hmm. you use those calories up by by creating synthetic physical exercises physical exercises that are not actually going to result in food there in 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 again in forest and savanna environments there is no need to always walking around you're gathering you're hunting you're you're on the move um and and till in pre agrarian times which and agriculture is only 10000 12000 years old so in the in the 240000 years before that we were nomadic we were a nomadic species we 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 were always on the move from one one place to another hmm always looking always hunting for always looking for food always looking for safer environments so our bodies expected to use up these calories and our bodies hence rewarded the consumption and storage of these calories so today we found a simulation we we created a synthetic simulation of all the actions that we used to perform in forest environments call this the gym similarly our body is also expecting to use up our hormones in a certain way our body is produce our body is constantly producing hormones in a certain way our body is producing emotional behaviors expecting scarcity which which produces behaviors in us that are better suited for forest and savanna environments so what is the equivalent of what is the emotional or cognitive equivalent of a gym is really the question when of the cognitive gym right can we can we have a simulation of a behavioral simulation that that rewires our body and makes it body and mind and makes it makes it right for our modern environments makes it perfectly suited for our modern environments i i call this i i call these hacks i call this set of tools and and exercises the cognitive gym and and it is just a question that you have uh, arrived at uh, or your sort of like is it something which is designed today as we speak no we have been designing this it's in fact we have we have the answer uh, we we do feel that we have at least quite a few answers and uh, we are we are moving very very close towards creating some some kind of a application based solution at this point our gym is a is really a virtual immersive gamified environment made by isolating and regrouping recipes of stimuli that actually trigger fix action behavioral patterns and balance out these imbalances produced by the disparity between our paleolithic genes and our modern environments okay so while we are shockingly similar to birds and bees 
the first significant difference arises from our ability to store a massive amount of new memories in our brains that's that's one question that you are asking right mm-hmm. so life was very different in forests and savannas millions of years ago right predatory threats were high food was scarce so were mating opportunities like we established earlier we are genetically and anatomically the same species that we were 200000 years ago more or less we we are still homo sapiens and we were homo sapiens 200000 years ago right mm-hmm. which means our behavior is still guided by the if then response algorithms that evolved in these environments but uh, sorry to interrupt but uh, i don't know whether i'm making sense but um, there's this daniel kanman who talks about two levels in which we operate also no one is a short term thinking which is more instinctive and then there is a long term uh, uh analysis also like how would you fit those concepts in this i mean because what you are talking about is instinct which is like very very natural and you see a lion and you run away right but uh, uh if you take some time to process what is 2 plus 2 it will take some time so how does that fit in so that's that's where that's where the the first significant difference arises uh, which is our difference between our species and every other species and the difference that we as a modern uh, homo sapien have with uh, the cave homo sapien and that significant difference is the ability to store a massive amount of new memories in our brain which allows us to retrain and rescale our genetic impulses which you are calling instinct and modify our bodies and behavior to a large extent so we are born with physical and emotional abilities but as we grow up we learn when and where to use them and in what proportion our genetic personality starts getting layered by modules of memories and their connections formed within our lifetime the other ability that we have that accumulates exponentially is to augment our strength skills memory and intelligence non biologically which is where we use technologies like language एक आपकी आपका एक जेनेटिक कोड है विच इज विच इज विच इज अ बंच ऑफ वर्ड्स अ बंच ऑफ सेंटेंसेस नॉट नेसेसरली ऑर्डर्ड टू मेक ऑल द मीनिंग ऑल द मीनिंग इन द वर्ल्ड दैट गेट्स दैट इंटरेक्ट्स विद द एनवायरनमेंट इन द यू नो थ्रू थ्रू द थ्रू द फर्स्ट नाइन मंथ्स ऑफ ऑफ योर बर्दिंग स्टेज एंड देन द फर्स्ट ट्वेंटी फोर मंथ्स एज योर यू नो फ्रंटल so so you keep adding stacks of information stacks of memories upon that genetic upon the genetic memory you have uh, you know the, the way the the interaction between the the genetic code that you are born with and the environment causes very specific epigenetic uh, phenotype manifestation yani aapki not only your eye color or hair color or your uh, body shape is guided by that but also your a lot of your behaviors uh, are are hard wired uh, at at that stage um, so i think i think see the thing is we can we can go i mean this is an uh, this is a very big subject and we can go very very deep into this but the idea is that there is such a thing as isolating stimuli and regrouping stimuli by stimuli i mean it could be visual stimuli it could be colors forms textures sounds um it could be you know it could be all chemical stimuli it could be smells and fragrances right the things that you touch and feel around you uh pressure all kinds of stimuli you can you can isolate them and regroup them to create extremely specific triggers in people 
that's really what all these examples tell us so i think anand what we'll do is uh, maybe um i mean i would assimilate or like just listen to this uh, again and again and try to understand uh, the more subtler aspects because even in case of ship of thesis you have to watch multiple times to understand the multiple layers that you are trying to express so ye to thoda sa aur bhi heavy duty hai so maybe uh, i will we'll we'll park this for now uh, and uh, because this is like an endless conversation and someone has to really follow you through and through to understand the the nuances of it uh, but uh, and and hopefully we do like one more episode uh, to understand the other side when the, the when the game is ready when uh, when thoughts are manifested into sort of real actions and real situations uh, does that sound good sounds very good yeah i think let's park it park it aside for later but let's definitely come back to it in uh, sooner than later yeah suddenly yahan pe network bahut kharab hai for some reason i'm so sorry yeah no problem no problem thanks a lot anand for giving your time it was like a honor to have you on the show only matlab wohi mere liye kafi badi baat hai and uh, yeah we will schedule something soon sounds great sounds fantastic okay thank you and all the best for your project uh, and yeah thank you okay, thank you thanks. so much so that's it from audio gun this year do tune into movie to watch anand gandhi's continuum right here right now the insignificant man and many other classics and cult favorites get a whole month of great cinema for free at mubi.com that is m u b i.com/audiogyan thanks for listening till the end and have a great year ahead take care bye and that's it from today's gyan session catch us on itunes savan stitcher or any podcasting app you use do rate us on itunes and follow us on twitter facebook and instagram stay tuned for more gyan on audiogyan.com till then bye hello it's been a great week on the ivm podcast network On this round is on me. Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish thing, Anish welcomes ultra marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash, and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions, and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuni One, Sheila Dutta is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Nati Gritties. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them, and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on YouTube.com/slash/IVMPodcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week: Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks, guys. Without you, this would not be possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? 
so many questions but don't worry we've got answers to all your questions hi i'm eklavya bhattacharya and on our show future proofing we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts tune into new episodes coming out every thursday on the ivm podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from